Look, I have no idea what today's date is, but you are back for episode three of Into the Mind with Marlon Johnson. And today, my guest is a rock star. It's Oscar Satiawan. And Oscar is an entrepreneur, investor, and overall cool guy. We're going to dive into his story about how he left his nine to five corporate job and entered into the entrepreneurial space as a wedding photographer and then took that into opening his own one-of-a-kind restaurant that led him to be an ambassador for his country. And now he's doing real estate and he's teaching his young daughters how to purchase a home. He literally wants to get them buying a single home each year until they are 21 years old. They're only 13 right now and they're working as his assistants. You're going to have so much fun with this conversation, as much fun as I'm having. Hopefully, you guys are able to see what Oscar and I build in the future. But without further ado, let's get started with today's episode. All right. Hey, everybody. So today, my guest for the podcast is Oscar Sediwan. Am I saying your last name correct, by the way? Almost, almost right. Um, a lot of people get it wrong. That's why I never are, you know, saying my last name. Uh, but uh, the way you pronounce it is Satiawan. Satiawan. All right. Yeah. So I'm here with Oscar Satiawan. And I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. So Oscar is someone that I've been getting to know throughout quarantine. We met through our mentorship with Pace Morby. And out of all of the students in the mentorship, Oscar is among the few that really stood out to me the most. He's a straightforward, personable, focused guy who's ridiculously funny. And mm -hmm. since joining the membership, I've actually watched Oscar close several real estate deals using creative strategy, as well as help a handful of other students with their own deals, as well as their own businesses. So Oscar is a serial entrepreneur, investor, and full-on visionary. Today, I want to get to know you a little bit better and dive into your past, learn about what you're doing currently, and talk about what your future plans are for yourself and your business. Yeah. So welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I mean, this is such an honor because one of my goals is actually to have something what you have right now. You know, so I'm always trying to connect with people on a higher level, you know, people like you. So this is, this is like, you know, I'm honored. This is, I'm learning from you, not, not the other way around. You know, I've been preparing for this, um, you know, being, having a podcast, having a YouTube channel, having, you know, all this streaming media and, you know, being a, a, a geek, you know, being in tech, I'm like, well, why can't I do this? You know? And then I met you <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's, let's do it, Marlon. Like let's, let's be, let's be a guest so I can learn to, from you too. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it's my pleasure. This is my honor. Yeah, your social media, you've stepped up, man. You went from having almost zero social media presence to fully out there. Your Instagram posts are coming out every day. I know you've got your daughter working on that. Yeah. Um, so we're definitely going to tap into that a little later. But let's start off with where are you from? Um, if I remember correctly, you told me that you weren't actually a natural born citizen, right? No, I was, uh, so my family and I migrated to um, the U.S. from Indonesia when I was 15. That was in 1995. Oh, wow. What was that like coming over here from another country? Were you speaking the language when you first arrived? So I was fortunate that my parents um, enrolled me in English courses when I was, you know, when I was like 10 years old and it was like private courses. So, and then I was, I was, you know, I was always a nerd. I was always a geek. So I played American games, right? All those like small and big, you know, like if you remember like Doom, 
You know, oh my gosh, I love that. I played that on floppy disk. Right? <laughs> I learned English from that. Not the best. Castle Wolfenstein, right? Yes. Um, oh man, we would have been friends growing up. I know, like King's Quest as like the first like RPG, you know? And then obviously you have Nintendo and Atari, right? Those are all in English. And then you have Star Wars and you have Star Trek. Those are where I learned from. Wow, I love you know? it. Yeah, so, um, so it was just funny that, you know, growing up, you know, English has always been part of our lives, right? And for me, it's, it was from games and entertainment. You know, and that's, that's most people learn. Um, it was a culture shock, even, even though, you know, we know English and we don't know, we know kind of like what America looks like. Because, you know, going into the Midwest was, a, was really just not only a culture shock, but like a season change, right? Because as, you know, we grew up where it was always 90 to 100 degrees all year long. And coming in in January, it was blizzard. Yeah, that's a big change. That's it was a huge. Big change. Yeah, it was a big change. I had to go into a propeller plane because I, I, I knew I remember I was by myself um, and I, ra- I landed in Chicago O'Hare for the very first time by myself. Uh, I had to carry all my baggages and uh, now, and I realized now why my mom gave me a, a baseball jacket because it was cold. And I, I didn't even wear that throughout the whole journey because it was hot when I came from. Yeah, like, mom, I don't need this. Yeah, this right. It's like, jacket. why are like, you just... giving me this, like, bulky, <laughs> you know, jacket or whatever, right? Um, the first time I, I went out the, uh, the airplane, it was blizzard, basically. So that was my, my welcoming, um, you know, nature of welcoming, the way of nature welcoming me to the U.S. So, so let me ask fun. you, what... Um... Would you say that you had gained a life lesson actually from coming from Indonesia, coming from another culture, another part of the world entirely, and being dropped into a whole new culture? Has that been something that has helped shape the way you live? Because I know from getting to know you, it's funny, you know, you're Asian, I'm black, but you know, you, it seems that you just see people for people. And I find that's a common trait from individuals who are well-traveled. doesn't matter what culture you are. Once you start to step into different cultures, you seem to just pick up on that universal language that is shared with all of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we always realized that we were the minority and we are still the minority. Um, you know, I'm Chinese Indonesian, which means my grandfathers are Chinese and they migrated to Indonesia. So we were always uh, the minority too, even though I, I'm, I was born in Indonesia, even though my parents was born in Indonesia. Um, coming to the US, we're really just still a minority too, because there's, there's no Indonesian all around us. There's probably like 20 people in Urbana Champagne that was Indonesian. Um, so I always see myself as a person, as a individual, as, you know, instead of, instead of skin color, instead of race, because, you know, I have to, you know, play well with everyone that's around me. Right. And everyone has pretty much different skin. Everyone speaks different languages. And being in a student town in Urbana Champaign, everyone pretty much looks different. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you know, you have, you have the Midwestern, you got the, the farmer types, you got, you know, the African-Americans, you get the real Africans, you get the Chinese and you have to talk differently between, you know, the Chinese and the Taiwanese and the Singaporeans and the Malaysian, you know, even though they kind of look the same when you just pass them by, right? Like Chinese and Korean <laughs> and Thai, you know, so I get to know people not for, you know, their, their out, outwardness, but from like the way they speak, the way they behave, the way their mind thinks, the way they learn from each other, the way they 
tackle problems. I was a tech support, you know, like a computer support during throughout my um, uh, years as a student. So I get to handle different problems from every single different students, right? From the undergraduate to masters to PhD, regardless of skin. So, yeah. you know, the world to me is, you know, we are all people. We are all people. We respect everyone. You know, it's in the way we brought up. It's the way we, we brought up by our parents, the way we think, the way we hustle, um, the way we move forward. That's what, that's what you know, combine us and, 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 you know, make us real as one. And that's what I like about you because that is it resonates off of you. Whenever we talk, whenever we have conversation, you're able to be as open and as frank with the conversation because yeah. people feel that from you. They know that you're genuine. They know that you can make a comment potentially about a, you could say, okay, that's a Jewish neighborhood, but no one's, no, everyone knows that you're not saying it in an offensive way. You're just exactly. saying it as a very matter of fact, that yeah. neighborhood is predominantly Jewish. Yeah. You know, so that is really cool. What I want to ask you is, what was the start of your entrepreneurship, your entrepreneurship journey? You said you were in tech before that from school, you went into the tech sector, you were with mm -hmm. IT mm -hmm. and that was your nine to five. Mm -hmm. When did the shift happen from nine to five into entrepreneurship? Was it something that was combined together? Was it a total quitting cold turkey that, hey, I just quit my job yesterday and now I'm stepping into this world of I don't know what's going to happen next? Yeah. What was that like? So it's, it's, uh, it's yes and no, um, as you know, so this is based on my culture as, as Asian, you know, we're all, you know, know that, you know, tiger moms, you know, we all want, you know, they all want us to be engineers, lawyers, doctors, right? Basically that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. If I had to take my pick, I would probably be in like art and photography because that's like my, my passion, you know? So this is why, um, one of my early entrepreneur journey was to become a wedding photographer. And oh, that wow. happened in 2005, um, right after we got married. So what happened was um, I've, I was always into photography, right? And back then, um, digital was just making its way, right? The first digital camera was still like $3,000. That right. off like $500 now, you know? I remember getting my first memory card that still cost 500 bucks. I remember bucks, those days. 20 bucks, right? So, so you know. Um, but what interests me was, you know, I, we hired this wedding photographer that was so personable and we were able to connect in such a deep level that I said, I want to be like him. You know, this is what I like. I was meant to be like that, you know, because of my passion as a photographer, my passion as an artist. Right. Um, and so, you know, right after we got married, I, I told my wife, I want to be a photographer, but I know we have to make some money. Right. Me being you know, um, engineers, like, I don't want to give this up because it's, it is a nice salary and it has a nice benefit. Right. So that's where I, I, I start as, you know, my real entrepreneur journey. You know, I was doing side jobs here and there, right. I was selling baseball cards. I was selling basketball cards, trading them for money and, and comic books and everything. Right. But never in my life after 2005, where I start, this is my business plan. This is what I want to do. I want to shoot weddings for a living. I want to see if I can make it. I want to see what kind of clients I get. I want to use the talent that I think I have more than just being an engineer. So I had two jobs basically starting from 2005 until 2012. Wow. All right. So I was working from shooting five weddings my first year to 10 weddings my second year to 15 weddings my third year to almost 20 weddings my fourth year and fifth year and sixth year. 
And wow. I did really good to a point where I was actually making more money in my wedding entrepreneur business than my nine to five job. You know, so <laughs> that's usually a good point where you're like, uh, do I need this nine to five yeah. job? That's a solid. It's kind of like what Pace tells us, you know, saddle up your second horse before you jump off of the first one. Yeah. You know, so I think that's that's crucial that people know you actually did stick with your traditional nine to five that had the benefits that was potentially sapping your energy. You weren't in love with it. I'm assuming you didn't hate it, but you were, just weren't necessarily in love with it. Mm -hmm. And you stuck it out. You found the energy. You found the time to pursue this brand new passion. So when you started off with the photography, I'm actually curious, what was that? Like, how did you go about and get your first customer? Because at that point you had never done photography. It was never, it was only a hobby on the side. How did you go out and get your first gig, your first job? Oh, um, Craigslist to be, I mean, believe it or not, it's Craigslist. I just, so I had to beg, uh, my friends um, to photograph their wedding on the site for her. It was so embarrassing. It was so funny. We weren't even invited to the wedding. <laughs> I was such a hustler. We weren't, in, I mean, their friends, their Indonesian friends, we weren't even invited to the wedding. And I said, please, can I just be a photographer on your wedding? And so I did that. That was my very, very first gig as a wedding photographer. And I also help other photographer to be in their assistant for almost nothing, basically. So I had to hustle. I did everything for free and, and I had to stay up late night to learn Photoshop, to learn whatever, you know, editing and everything. And, and Facebook wasn't even, um, I mean, there was Facebook. There was also MySpace at that time. Right. Right. We were, you know, Facebook wasn't the big giant that it is right now. Right. Google wasn't as big as advertising. Um, uh, giant as it is right now. There wasn't even an AdWords back in 2005. Wow. Right so you really, yeah, you hustled, man. It was old yeah. school. You just went out, you found people, you talked to them. You said you made your opportunity. You created your own opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yes, I had to, because otherwise, how did you break into an industry that you never? So my mindset was that anything that you go into a business, you have to study for, right? And, and one of the parts, my old mindset was that you have to go to college for this. So if you're like, if you're doing wedding photography, well, you better have an art degree or something. So that was my old mindset. But then throughout my journey, I realized, well, it might be good to have a degree, but it's, it doesn't, you know, it's not necessary. It doesn't kill your dream as long as you hustle and as long as you learn and, and you make use of your time to, to learn um, and, and to just go forward. See, I'm really happy you said that because that's something that, I had to learn the hard way I learned through my own life experience. At some point it hit me that all of the preparation school was doing for me was good. It was additional mm -hmm. supplementation. However, it never actually equated to the real thing. And ultimately when you had to go out and start to do the real thing, there was still a massive learning curve. You know, maybe the school and the traditional education helped lower, lower that learning curve, but yeah. you still had to go out there and actually figure out how to be hands-on, figure out how to talk to people, figure out how to create the opportunity, figure out how to fumble around through the actual experience of doing and implementing mm -hmm. the knowledge. So yeah. then it became, well, why don't I just go out and do this? It's kind of like reading a bike, reading a book on how to ride a bike. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, just you're going to have to get out and ride the bike. So why not just start there? You're probably going to figure it out a lot sooner that way. So yeah. it's just, it sounds like you're saying the same thing as, you know, you're in that position of old school thinking, told you, 
hey, Oscar, you're supposed to go to college for this if you really want to pursue this. But mm-hmm. then your experience taught you, no, you just need to do this. You need to make up your mind and keep on doing it until it works. Yeah, yeah. You, need, you just need to, um, you need to spend the right amount of time, um, get the right resources. And this is what um, I wish I had uh, back in 2005 is a personal mentor. Right. Because I have to stumble. I have to make my own mistakes. I have to, um, you know, really just I still fail forward, but I fell harder. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's unnecessary uh, failure uh, because I didn't have the right people to talk to. I didn't have the right people to just ask questions. Right. It's not as easy as right now. You can just post something on Facebook or you can just have a group. Right. You it's still true. have to go find the right forum. And I, there was a right wedding photography forum. But guess what? I mean, everyone was busy and it was, there, there was no Zoom. There was, there was ICQ where you can still text. <laughs> I didn't even have a, a, a cell phone until, what, 2002? And everything was still expensive, right? So it was a totally different world, you know? So it was harder as a uh, market penetration, but people still do it. You know, I, I still did it, you know? So... Absolutely. So how long did the photography business last? Or is that still a business that's running in the background that I don't even know about? So the <laughs> so funny thing is I do still have clients and my clients are like higher end clients. So they're like, they're basically like CEOs and CEOs of like higher end companies. They would just kind of call me um, every year or so to say, hey, Oscar, can we have our, our family photos every year? That's so awesome. these people who, who these people, these are people that I want. I don't even have to advertise. And every time I, I give them my price, they'll be just, okay, I'll, we'll write the check. And it's a win-win. I give them the experience. And even now that I'm a, it's not my main business anymore. I still keep my $30,000 equipment just because of this, you know, and um, who knows, you know, the, uh, what can, what can I do with this? So even when I st- start easing out from or transitioning from be, becoming a different entrepreneur, I still keep uh, what I have, um, you know, as my experience. And I also have connection, right? Because, you know, remember all these connections is what's important. It's what really, really what you want out of any single business that you have. See, I'm so happy to hear you say that because that was a lesson I learned within this last year that I wish I picked up on a little bit sooner or I just appreciated a little bit earlier. You know, you know, I've come from the world of parkour. And mm-hmm. as I stepped into the world of real estate, the very initial thoughts were I need to leave the parkour world completely behind me mm-hmm. because those guys don't care about business and they still just yeah. want to jump around and they want to have fun and they're not doing what I'm trying to do now. So I need to go and put myself in this new circle, which I did have to do. However, one of my mentors told me, hey, you actually don't need to completely disconnect and divorce from it entirely you can still be a part of it and actually show them what you're doing now because there might be connections in there that are turning into something and just today i actually had another one of those experiences where i did a private lesson so like yourself i don't parkour is not my main focus anymore my main Mm -hmm. business but i still do private lessons with my favorite clients because Mm -hmm. i like working with them i like working with the kids i like the families so i went over to the house today did a private lesson. I'm able to charge my higher end price. Mm-hmm. And while we're hanging out and we're talking, I'm seeing the house for the first time. The house is a multi-million dollar home. Yeah. The house is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I finally meet the father for the first time and we're mm-hmm. sitting and guess what he's looking for? 
He's looking for some investment properties. There you go. I ask him, hey, what's your budget? He says, hey, I'm just looking for some multifamilies and you know, <laughs> I could spend anywhere from two to three million. And yeah. I said, say no more. I'll, yeah. I'll go find those for you. You yeah. just, you sit here and you wait. Yeah. And, but that's a connection that came from my old endeavor. So that's something that I want people listening to recognize nothing you do is ever a waste of time if mm -hmm. you're doing it properly and if you're doing it the right way. Ultimately, oh, yeah. everything, every experience you have, it can carry on into the next thing. And just because you're doing one thing today doesn't mean you can't do something else tomorrow. Mm -hmm. so, Oscar, let me ask you, how did you pivot from photography into real estate? Or was there another industry in between? Because I know you also had your restaurant as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, the main reason why I transitioned from photography uh, was because I decided to start a family restaurant. Um, so that was the time uh, at the end of 2012 uh, where we decided, you know, between me and my mom, um, we wanted to start a family restaurant. And the main reason was I saw, I saw an opportunity where we can be unique. Um, we can be the only brand in the, in the town, you know, that, that does this. And with little or even no advertising, everyone would just come to our restaurant. You know, we, we, know, we all know how competitive the restaurant business are, right? If you just open a burger place, I mean, you gotta, you gotta be either crazy on social media advertising and, and, you know, um, giving stuff free left and right, right. To, to make some money or, um, and that's, that's where I learned from photography is I learned how to brand myself mm -hmm. and I learned how to market and I learned how to be a specialist. That's the key, right? If you know what you are good at and you can be a specialist in any of the things that you are into, then you can, you can dominate that market. Just so right? you know, Oscar, when you talk, I take notes because oh, you cool. drop gold, bro. You drop gold. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is why I always say, you know, whenever you learn a new business, learn how to be the specialist in that business and not just be a um, producer, you know, because a producer, you know, it's not enough now, you know, look at so, how many restaurants out there, look at how many photographers out there, look at how many real estate investors out there, look at how many realtors out there. I mean, look at how many podcasters out there, right? You have to be able to distinct yourself. And it doesn't mean to be all in, all knowing. All you need to know is one thing that people need, right? If you know how to serve that, you will have people who comes to you, right? For example, in the case is restaurant, it was really easy for me, right? We know in Chicago, there's no Indonesian restaurant. Um, any Indonesian restaurant previously that opened, they closed because they had the wrong target market. And this is with me coming in from a business perspective because I learned, right, um, from my photography business, right? So um, even in my photography business, I, I was able to make a niche out of myself to target multi-ethnic weddings. And that's how I pretty much found out by accident my market. Wow. Right? So my market was like huge Indian weddings, huge Jewish weddings, huge like Greek slash Jewish slash, you know, Romanian weddings. You know, it was like all multi-ethnic cultures and they connected with me because I'm an immigrant. And that's how I sold myself. That's how I sold my, I told my story, just like what I did to you. Like, hey, I'm an immigrant. I know uh, what I've been through and I know, and I'm talking to the parent now, right? Which is basically first generation, right? 
So they connected me on a different level. Like, well, you know, um, we want to support each other. And this is where skin, race doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, I was able to connect with them as immigrants, as someone who came to this land of the free and opportunity to help each other. You know, and that's how I brand myself for weddings. And I was just continuing that as a restaurant. Because now, you know, I was... Two years ago, I was invited by the Ministry of uh, Travel and Tourism to Indonesia. They paid for my trips, all of everything. I met with the, um, the, the minister and I was, I was given, um, you know, like, a, you know, like a, a prize, but we were called the, um, the Indonesian ambassador in Chicago as a cultural icon. And it was, it was not something that I did special. It was something that I just thought I could do by bringing what I know as an Indonesian. That's it. It was just, it was just showing ourselves as a culture, as an Indonesian in this like frozen tundra, you know, like what, how would you feel if you walk into a restaurant where, you know, it was snow and cold outside and suddenly you come inside, it was all tropical. How would you feel if you're like having like a, a meat stew every single day or potatoes or French fries and suddenly you come into like, uh, a restaurant that can serve you a dish that has 24 different spices and ingredients. Wow. It's just like that. It was, it was really so natural for me, right? The decor that I put, I brought from Indonesia. The, the thought that I put in design, and you, you can probably sh um, look at my videos when we said the last day of uh, Rickshaw Republic, how I, 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 I saw this as a museum, as an icon, and not just as a restaurant, right? But that's what I created. I created an experience. And that's what you have to do in all your businesses to be the specialist and to create experience in anything that you do. And people will buy the experience, not the product. The, oh, the product is the experience, right? So, and you can, if you are selling experience, there's no monetary value that you can put on that. There's a cap, but people who see the value, they will, they will be able to justify that experience. You know, it's funny you say that because that's something I tapped into with my parkour lessons and my parkour classes. I, at some point it hit me. It's like, oh, the people that work with me, they're working with me for the experience I provide, not necessarily the technical knowledge that I'm giving. Yeah. And the people that I go and I purchase things from, like my barber, for instance, I go to my barber because he provides a full barbershop experience from the moment I walk in to the moment I leave the fact that I can schedule my appointment the fact that he greets me a certain way every time I come in and he does things a certain way that there's an entire experience and he's conscious about creating that for his clients mm -hmm. and you saying the same thing it's all spot on where you know businesses that do focus on providing that experience whether it's customer based whether it's service based whether it's product based there's something about working with them that makes it a little bit different, a little bit more special. So yeah, that's yeah. cool to hear that your restaurant that you created, it was able to stand out because you stood out. You were creating something more than just a place to come and get food and to get something to eat, but you actually made it a place to come and be and to do and to experience a culture outside in this frozen tundra. That's yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did almost zero marketing. In the, in the eight years that we wow. opened, almost zero marketing, no AdWords. We did some Facebook ads just because we want to target people just for special events. So people know right away, right? Because there's something like where, I mean, we did our own marketing using MailChimp, you know, to us mail right. blast, but that's, that's almost cost nothing. We never give up food for free. 
we um, we were instantly on every single uh, television show because of our uniqueness. We were on NBC, we were on ABC, we were all this, you know, everyone just the first month that we opened, we were interviewed by four, by four different magazines. Wow. The first six months that we opened, we were interviewed by pretty much every single foodie network channels because people are looking for content too. And I realized that. If you were to open another burger place, well, guess what? They, I mean, it's, it's not going to work. Right. Everyone's already right. told that story. Yeah, right. If you open another, like, you know, a, a basic uh, Chinese place, well, it's going to be harder for you because you're committing against other. You know, we had organic SEO from day one. We didn't, I didn't, I never paid. I, I paid for the website designer to design my website and my brand, but I never paid any money on SEO. And if you look at, I mean, if people look at Indonesian restaurant in Chicago, we will be number one. Wow. Because we're the only one. That's cool. You know, it's so funny. Like, as you were saying that, I was like, man, I need to tap into like my Trinidadian culture, go yeah. into the most suburban white neighborhood I can find and open up a restaurant and be like, hey guys, come have some Trinidadian food. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, the there's always experience. opportunity. There's always opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. So mm -hmm. let me ask you, how many businesses is it that you currently have operating and running so i am still technically running a passive photography business just because i still cater towards that client you know one or two a year right um and i i love doing that because that's basically my hobby that's my passion right um so i i, I gladly do that and i get paid for it right so that's just like you know some extra income um the restaurant we're trying to sell the assets um and then we're also trying to take that online meaning um, people are still contacting us for private catering. Um, in fact, I just got a couple emails saying, hey, we would like you to cater here and here for our wedding. We would love to cater you for our birthdays and everything, right? Because people know us in the past eight years. Wow. Um, so I, don't, I, I feel like I don't even need a physical store now to continue the business. That's so cool. Um, I also have some products, some brand, because of the brand I built. Um, so uh, I have a, a sambal, which is a chili sauce that we make in-house. Uh, people from all over the United States buy that, you know, we even had like someone who came directly from LA and, and, and whenever he was visiting, he would buy like two full boxes of it, you know, to get, to take back, you know, and people would, you know, if it's not, the thing is like with those, they're heavy, right? So the shipping is, is expensive. So we're trying to figure out how to ship that um, uh, with a reasonable cost. So we can, we can save money. We can uh, sell that as a reasonable cost. And we can break into that market. So that's what kind of I'm trying to figure out. Um, and plus, now I'm, I'm pretty much running my um, uh, real estate investing business full time. Um, so I, you know, I'm transitioning from um, the restaurant. I started uh, real estate investing in October 2016. That's when I learned real estate investing from zero, basically. So even before 2016, I didn't have any knowledge on what real estate investing is. I just know that I've had houses and I, if, you know, if I have to move, I have to sell my house. That's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So you got four businesses running and, or three at the time. And then in mm -hmm. 2016, you bring on the fourth, which is this business of real estate. Mm -hmm. What was the start of that? How did that look? What was your first investment like? So to be honest, I was, I was bored. And, and that, you know, because the restaurant at that point was just kind of running, right? I mean, we were running in 2013 and in three years, 
um, you know, we basically, we, I have the right staff. I have the right schedules. I was able to optimize the business and I was like, what else can I do? <laughs> you know? So, so at that point I started looking at, into different investing, um, vehicles, right? And I look, I look into stocks. I look into bonds. I look into Forex. I look into Bitcoins. I look into everything. Um, and then I found about real estate investing. Uh, you know, obviously at that time, you know, HGTV start coming up with like flip or, you know, flip it and, you know, all this like flipping channel and rehab channel. So, you know, naturally I was looking into that. It's like, oh, that's nice. You know, and, and I saw the numbers like, really? <laughs> so, so I'm like, um, maybe I should learn into that. You know, so that's how I started. I basically um, went to all different forums. Um, I went to all different local RIA meetings, right? Um, and I found a local RIA meeting when I joined and, and basically I learned from a, a mentor there and I, I had, um, you know, a pretty good group of investors um, and it went all from there, you know? So, yeah. Nice. So you just dove right in. HGTV yeah. caught you. You're like yeah. flipping a house. Looks pretty easy. Yeah. Went out to the local RIA, said, hey guys, like give me a house to flip. Yeah. And, you know, someone was uh, there, so a mentor was there and said like, all right, come on board. Like we'll... We'll show you the ropes. Yeah. Nice. That's basically it. You know, and, and I mean, me being uh, the type of personality I have, you know, I mean, I, I set a goal. I remember I set a goal after I joined um, because I had to pay some money, right? Um, but I wasn't afraid to pay the money. I was just like, well, this better be worth it, right? And so because this was the biggest investment I've made, right, um, in, in so many years, right? So I'm like, well, okay. Let's, let's do this. If uh, it's worth it, I have to set a goal, right? And this is what I recommend everyone when they're starting um, a business, like set a goal. What, you know, what, what is your mission? What is your vision? Um, and what is your goal in six, to, six months to a year? So in 2016, I said, in a year, I want to have one wholesale. I want to have one flip. And I want to have one buy and hold. Because I want to I wanna be able to experience every every single one because back then that's what they they were teaching you right there's a way to wholesale there's a way to buy and hold rentals and there's a way to flip right and they all make money so i want to experience everything in a year um going to 2017 with my drive and hustling and everything i was basically working about 80 hours a week minimum you know, and this is with the restaurant and you know, restaurant takes a lot of hours. Yeah. I used to work in a restaurant, man. Yeah. So it's like, that was some of the most backbreaking work I ever did. Yeah. So I wouldn't be, I wasn't, I wouldn't be able to do it without the support of my family. Right. I told my wife, look, if I'm paying this much for this mentorship, for this group, I want to set a goal and I want you to support it because I don't want you to be mad at me for not being here on the weekends for the next year. So we discussed this. Right. And they say, yeah, let's do it. Um, so that's what I did. You know, every Saturday, every Sunday, I learned real estate every night after I went home from the restaurant, I spent nine to 12 learning. Wow. And that's how I caught up. Right. That's how I was, I was able to, um, so in 2017, um, instead of having one flip or one wholesale, one flip and one rentals, we went, uh, I was able to do, three wholesales, two rentals, and one flip. That was within the first year. Man, that's impressive because that's hustling. What were you doing? Yeah. Just out door knocking, cold calling, 
putting out lead, putting out uh door hangers, coat, like everything? So back then I was actually really into auction because I oh, learned nice. from my um from a mentor from my group that auction in Chicago at least, in Chicago market, auction was one of the best places to um to get some really good deals. Right. And we know all about you know real estate. When we fix it, we create equity, right? And so that's the number one um source or leads for uh, distressed properties. Right. I mean, I remember and I and and that at that time. Um, I was just, you know, to be honest, um, stealing knowledge from people. You know, I would talk to everyone. I would, I would go to every single RIA meetings and I would listen carefully to some people. I would, you know, I would talk, I would ask questions, I would shut up and I would listen. I would put it in my mind and I would go home and research what he was just talking about. Right. And if, if someone said this address, I would just write that down and I will see if I can grab that address. If I would, I was able to grab that. I was basically trying to steal their houses. <laughs> and that's what I do. I, I just be honest, you know, just, it's, it's something that I was, I had a drive to say, if I want to be good at this game, um, all I need to do is look at the people who are already doing it successful and see what type of property they have. And I want to get pretty much the same properties that they have, because I know that's the best case scenario. See, but that right there is, actually ridiculously smart and a lot of people don't tap into that for whatever reason for pride or for other silly reasons i as a coach learned that i would teach my kids my students guys there's no reason to reinvent the wheel Mm -hmm. take what we already figured out we figured this out steal it take it it's yours the information at the end of the day doesn't belong to anyone but whoever's going to use it if you're not yeah. going to utilize it, the information sits with you. Someone, something someone said to me, an idea comes to you, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stay with you long if you don't use it. So as it comes to you, it mm-hmm. slows down and it stays within your vicinity. But if you don't do something with it immediately, it then travels off to the next person. And it's whoever takes action with it. That's who the idea yep. truly belongs to. Yep. So an idea is just looking for a home. So if you heard these numbers and you heard this name and you heard this technique and you're like, great, I'm going to go do that right now, then you deserve it. It's not stealing at that point. It's, yeah. hey, we all had access to the same information. We're all playing the same game. You yeah. just chose to sit on the sidelines a little bit longer mm-hmm. and you decided to get into the game, which is really crucial. I think that's cool to hear, to know that that's what the beginning looked like, that you weren't just born into this. It didn't just come naturally to you. You just went, learned, and implemented right away yeah yeah i mean as soon as i heard the word auction i learned everything i could about auction and i went myself to auction you know like all the auctions and i was like nervous and i had to learn this and i had to you know the 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 hardest part for me because to be honest i was for the longest time i considered myself an introvert right I mean, you probably couldn't figure it out because the way I, <laughs> I was going to say that, right? is- but I was like, I was, I was growing up as an introvert. I mean, I didn't like to tell people anything because I just, I just always wasn't going to feel comfortable. Right. Um, so, but I had to break out of that shell, right. I had to start asking questions. I had to learn from people. I, I took all the failures experience that I had to make sure that whenever I make a new mistake, it would be a new mistake that no one had ever done right or at least a new mistake that is different than what i heard from other people right so you know uh still fail forward but fail softer 
right? <laughs> I love it. Put a, put a cushion there, you know, put like now you know that you need a, a knee pad. I mean, you still fall, right? Like my, right. you know, if, you, if you're, you know, um, if you're doing like, you know, skateboarding or whatnot, you know, you wear a helmet, you wear, you know, uh, you wear something, wear, wear the right knee pads, but still fall. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how you learn. It's, you yeah. got to go a little too far to the left and a little too far to the right to find that sweet spot in the middle. That's how you learn where it actually is by gaining the reference of knowing, okay, this isn't what works. This doesn't work. So I know what works is somewhere here in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that's really, you, it shapes, the experience is shaped by your personality. And that's why, you know, you create an experience based on um, what you can bring values to based on your personality and your experiences. So. I love that, man. I, I truly do. That's valuable knowledge. So I really hope you know, if people are listening to that, go back and listen to that part again and really internalize it. Internalize the fact that you are going to mess up, you are going to make mistakes, and mm -hmm. you are going to fall flat on your face. But ultimately, mm -hmm. it's not a failure as long as you choose to get back up. Because right. once you do that, then all it was was a minor setback. Mm -hmm. It was you learning ways that don't work in order so that you can learn ways that do work and it's yep. going to make more sense to you why the ways that work you're going to understand it at a deeper level you're truly going to comprehend it of you know like i can tell you fire is hot don't touch fire mm -hmm. but if you just let your fingers get burnt just a little bit you're now going to understand that knowledge at such a deeper level it's going to make way more sense to you oh fire is hot Yep. I don't ever need to be told that lesson ever again. I don't ever need to be taught that lesson ever again. I have the experience to now guide me, which is way more powerful than just having theory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one, one thing if I can add is um, surround yourself with people you can um, ask help. You know, people are, you can uh, confidently know uh, can be a partner for you. Right. When, when I say fail forward, uh, fail often, also know to be able to um, raise your hand and have the other person who's standing up reach out and pick you back up. That's key. That's key. That's something that I missed in my early years of um, being an entrepreneur because I thought I was a one-man shop, right? And we all are at a certain point, but now I, I, I surround myself like with you, Marlon, and with uh, all the other people that I find on the internet virtually and physically here. I surround myself, I force myself to surround me with the people that I can help and also I can rely on, you know? So, you know, I, I love, you know, I love comic books. So, you know, I was, I always say, if, if you're Batman, find your Robin, right? If you're Superman, create your Justice League. Right? I love that. And, and so, so, you know, I always tell people, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm like Batman and you're Superman and like, Oh, you're like Wonder Woman or like you're, you're like flash. Cause you run so fast. I can't keep, catch up, but I have to stop you somewhere. So you can, you don't like crash on that brick wall and then you can help me win against the villain. I love that. And it's so funny. And this is how I know we're kind of vibing on the same level because that was going to be a question I had for you, which is the importance of creating a network. Mm -hmm. uh, like yourself, I didn't understand that value, the value in networking and value in being a team player. Mm -hmm. you know, I always came back to this mentality of, well, if I want it done right, I have to do it by myself. I have to do it on my own. And that would be the mindset I would get into versus now I'm learning just like yourself to surround myself with people that fill in the gaps for me. So me, rather than me trying to plug every hole in the ship, I go and I find people that are different sizes that can plug different holes that I just 
I don't fit in. You know, so it's like I talk to you all the time and you have these crazy ideas that just boom, 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 they snap into existence with you so quickly where I know, okay, if I'm really lacking in creativity, I can go and talk to Oscar and Oscar's gonna pull bunnies out of a hat all day long and just be like, well, look at this. Well, look yeah. at this. Well, look at this. And I'm just going to be like, Oscar, how are you even thinking this yeah. quickly? You know, yeah. so figuring out other people's superpowers so that you can focus on just yours. The flash doesn't try to fly. That's not his superpower. Yeah, he I just agree. knows I run fast. So if I work on running faster and faster and faster, I unlock more of my own power. Now I can run backwards through time. Yep. You know, yeah, exactly. but he wouldn't have gotten there if he tried to be Superman, try yep. to fly all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's it. You know, I mean, again, I, I try to be fun in every businesses, you know, but I treat them seriously, but that's an element where I enjoy because, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, the, the thing that I really dragged when I was working for, uh, Motorola, which is, you know, like from 2000 to 2012, 2012 was, I had all these ideas any all these improvements that I can, I can do to the uh, to the product but because of their um, limitations and their way of thinking and everything I wasn't able to implement you know and that created a frustration because at the end of the day I, that becomes a nine-to-five job where I didn't really care anymore because I wasn't able to make an impact right because I was coming there uh, basically because I know um, you know at, at one point I was trying my best to get laid off that's how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I can, I can pursue my full-time photography. That was, I mean, I just, honest to God, I was trying my best every day to get laid off. But they, they didn't lay me off because I guess I was doing a pretty good job. You know, <laughs> even when I survive, every year there's a layoff in Motorola from 2000 to 2012. Every year um, from like 2009, when I, my, my photography business took off, I was always saying to my wife, like, I, I hope they laid me off this year. You know, so yeah, but then I had, I, at the end of the day, I had to resign in 2012 because I really wanted to get the restaurant going. So, you know, what? it's funny you say that because I had a very similar experience where I was working a job and, you know, there would be the days I would come in and just pray, like, please just fire me. And <laughs> it just it never came. And eventually they made me like, they made me quit. Like yeah. I had to actually open up my mouth and just let them know like, guys, I can't do this anymore. Like, <laughs> and they, everyone was so shocked. I'm like, yeah. but what's wrong? It's like, yeah. so I think that's a good sign. Like if you're a young person or maybe even older, if you're in your life, in your job and you are just constantly dreading it and mm -hmm. you're hating it and you're actively doing less and less of your work to almost just get fired and you're still not getting fired, maybe it's a sign that you actually have to be doing something else and you should look into pursuing something else that has a little bit more purpose to you. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to tell you to quit your day job or to quit your job, but look into finding something else, you know, see if there's something that resonates with you, whether it be a hobby or a side hustle or something and start to, play with that in your downtime in your spare time mm -hmm. and like yourself with your earlier photography business see if you can start building that thing up if that thing is able to build in your spare time mm -hmm. that's a really good sign that it's feeding you energy it's giving you purpose you enjoy it and if you're able to match what you're doing in your nine to five with your spare time hobby 
then that's a sign that you shouldn't be really doing your nine to five anymore. That's like, this is a very clear sign. Right. And if it surpasses, it's in, you're blind if you haven't quit yet, you know, unless you're yeah. doing it for family reasons and you need the benefits. Yeah. But if you're on your own and this is hair or hair, mm-hmm. that's very clear signs to get out. And, and, you know, I, I had a lot of private conversation from, you know, uh, page mentorship, uh, to the, to the other students. Um, a lot of times those conversations turn to be not underwriting deal or not to have an exit strategy, but that turns out to be, well, what is, what do you want, um, financially for your family? Um, are you, do you want to be a full-time in this or do you just want some extra money so you can, you know, um, live a better life that, you know, that will fulfill your kind of happy place. Right. And it becomes that. And, and when I realize, when I understand what's their motivation, what's their drive, then I can give them, I can give them um, the right exit strategy for the deal that they have on hand. Believe it or not, it became like that. Wow. A lot of conversation would be like, well, um, are you planning to quit your job or do you want to do it on the side? If you want to do this on the side, then this is what you do. But if you want to quit your job, then this is what you do. So, and, and literally, you know, a light bulb came off their heads like, yeah, that's true. And then now that set them a path to like financial freedom or that sets them a path to, to know that, yeah, I still want to keep my job because of my family's condition and situation and everything, but that's what I'm going to focus on this area or that area or this side of real estate investing, you know, or, or rentals or just wholesaling or also flips. You know, I, the strategy is not about the money. The strategy is not about how much ROI you can get. The strategy is about what drives you as a person um, and what drives you as a family, as an individual to fulfill your dreams. That's it. See, Oscar, this is what I like about you. You are a really good listener and ultimately you ask the right questions before you start listening. Mm-hmm. And you ask the question of what is it that you want? Not you, Oscar, but you as in the person who you're listening to. Yeah. And then you begin to listen. And from there, you start to formulate the strategy. And it's funny. I think just by being around you and being around other folks like you, I've been picking this up because as I analyze an appointment I went on today where we were talking to the seller, I don't know if you saw Will's live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it. There. And when we were talking to the seller, at the end of the day, the guy was open to terms, but mm. ultimately what he was looking for was he was looking to move into a new place. He's downsizing and he's always had the dream of buying a lot of land and building up a brand new home. Wow. So I said, well, that's not going to work if you sell to us on terms. Like you're not going to have the money to go and buy a new land and fully develop this thing. You're going to need a bigger down payment than we would be willing to give you. Plus mm. you still have this mortgage here that like that's just it doesn't fit you your house is perfect it's immaculate it's in a great neighborhood with a great school district mm-hmm. you need to list your house with a realtor it would sell on the open market like that yeah. mm-hmm. you no know? so yeah. it wasn't about us getting what we wanted it was about listening to him figuring out what he wants and yeah. working with him and because of that he turns out the guy's a funeral director mm-hmm. and he constantly has people coming in asking for estate attorneys and what do we do with this house? Like we don't know Mm -hmm. what to do with this house and guess who he now wants to send all of that stuff to. Yeah. Because he said, Hey, you guys are straight shooters. You guys came in Mm -hmm. here. I see that you hustle. I see that you work hard and 
you're just telling it to me straight. You're being completely upfront and honest with me mm-hmm. and you're not trying to pull one over. Yeah. So ultimately that came from doing what you're doing right now and what I've seen you do so many times and what you do each night for so many people. You ask them, what is it that they want? You listen and then you create a solution. And to hear you say that about real estate, that it's the exact same thing. The strategy isn't even based on the house. It's really based on you. What are you looking for? What Mm -hmm. is it that you want? And then I can tell you what strategy you need to do. Yeah, exactly. There's so many, you know, I mean, there's so many uh, vehicle that you can use to, um, you know, for your, for your finance, right? I mean, real estate is definitely one of the best, if not the best that I believe, you know, to be, able to uh, gain independence, um, your financial freedom, your family independence, um, you know, free to do, you know, all what you want to do is if you, if you know how to ride that vehicle um, again, by the end of the day, you know, it's not about the vehicle it's how you drive it. And based on that is what kind of person are you? And what type, you know, what type of journey you want, right? You want to drive in the autobahn or do you want to drive in the highway or do you want to drive in a rural road? Right. It's so different or off road, right? Right. Then you get a Jeep. <laughs> yeah. It's figuring out what you want. Yeah. So let me ask you on that topic of figuring out what you want. What is, what are your plans for the future? What is it that Oscar is looking to do within the next one to five years? So I've been um, trying to uh, get the family involved um, in real estate. And now that, um, you know, my daughters are 11 and 13, well, 11 and 12, but she's turning 13 uh, this July. So only in a couple of weeks, um, I want to challenge her. I want to open up her mind um, that uh, college is not the only option. College is not the only default, de facto path that we offer. And that's coming that's really hard. That's really a challenge for me to be, to be disrupting the status quo coming from an Asian. Because, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're in the U S and if you're an entrepreneur, and this is what I love about, you know, in America, because entrepreneurship is alive and well. Right. But if you're coming from Asia and you're coming from a, a normal family, you know, the, the next thing you know is like, well, you, you, you graduate from high, high school, you, you get a, a uh, you get into the good college, you know, you, you get um, scholarship, you, and then you go become a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer, anything that, you know, has a license that can make, you know, five to six figures in five years, you know, and, and forget about investing. I mean, you invest in your 401k, you invest in IRA, but your main thing is like, you got to get a job, right? And get, get married and have children. And it's got to be a respectable job that the family can be proud exactly. of that mom and right. dad can show off. Yeah. And that's why I wasn't even like going into the art school. I wasn't even going into um, entrepreneur or business school. Right. My only de facto was like, well, I love to play games. I want to be engineer so I can make games. <laughs> so that's what, that's why I went to computer science. Um, and so, so now I'm challenging her and I'm, you know, you know, because of COVID and everything, it opens up a new opportunity, right? Where she's now staying at home and she's not doing any summer schools. And, and now I challenge her, Hey, why don't I pay you to be my intern, to be my summer intern? So now she goes everywhere with me. Um, she, because my, we start with her becoming my secretary, making my appointments, my seller's call appointment. And, and now she takes care of my um, social media. When I say take care, she would, she would make um, all these posts and I would approve the post first. And that's why sometimes you see the background as being girly. You know? <laughs> but I'm fine with that. You know, the, 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 the main thing is the content. 
right? And so, and I want to have her personality in it. I don't want to force my own personality, right? I mean, she's a girl. She's like 11 years old now. So I want her to see what she could do and, and be part of the uh, be part of the business, right? So, and she's having fun. I teach her, you know, what a downspout is. I teach her what a sump pump is. I teach her like how to rehab a house. And and tomorrow we're going to a house that um, it's closing on Tuesday. So we're going to clear out the house. We're going to, I'm going to tell her like what I did to this house, why it took so long, what happened, what's wrong. And we are going live tomorrow. So, you know, and, and that's also good for people to see it, right? But I want to challenge her to, to be able to say, hey, I can see now I can do something more, even in my current age and whichever what happened to school, that I can do something that will determine my own path, right? So no COVID, no classroom limitation, no college is going to limit me as a person. Because that's, that's something like, well, you know, people think if I can get to Harvard, if I can get to Stanford, then I'm a nobody. And that's an Asian mentality, to be honest, right? UCLA, whatever these schools are that people are saying, right? It's like, it's not. I mean, that's, that's not going to um, seal your path as a person. And that's I what I want to challenge her, right? And now she's saying she doesn't want to go to college. She want to be an real estate investor, which I don't know if my wife likes it or not. I was going to say, you must be scaring your wife with that. Yeah. <laughs> but my goal is, and, I, I, and then we agreed to this, and I, I've talked to this before, is that I want her to be able to get a minimum of one house every year until she's 21. I love that. So it's the one one twenty one movement, right? I absolutely love that. I mean, you, you started telling me about that the other night and you got me so jazzed up on it, man. Like it's, the ideas have been fluttering around in my head around that and like wanting to see that come into fruition and see mm -hmm. that happen. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we've been talking to you too and I, I would love to get you involved because of your influence and your you know you you know you can help me with all this um you know podcast and and youtube and video because i know at this point i know i need people i know i need help i know i need my justice league right i can't do this by myself i have all these ideas i have all this you know content but i need someone you know i need someone to help me make this a reality and i know it's not about just paying people it's about it's about getting the right team member that will believe in this vision too and you know we'll do whatever you can to help each other out you know make this a reality absolutely and i th i think i told you that first night that i'm on board and what i learned from pace is when you're starting to introduce something brand new into an already working machine it's a matter of you know that this machine requires you to be here from nine o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night and mm -hmm. that's why this machine is working. So you yeah. need to make sure that stays true and that doesn't break. And then after eight o'clock, like yourself, when you came home from work and you said from nine o'clock till midnight, you were now learning this new business. You were learning real estate at that point. That's mm -hmm. when you start working on this secondary thing. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of people get so excited that they found a new thing. They want to drop it in this space immediately when this thing still requires you to still be fully present. So I'm all for it. And I think I expressed to you that, you know, I have my nine o'clock till 8 p.m. And then after that, I can, mm -hmm. you know, we can figure this out together and we could yeah. work on this and finding the right people and putting the right people in the right seat on the right bus. It's mm -hmm. crucial. It really, as I'm finding myself in a position right now where I'm looking for people, 
to come on board on my bus and yeah. I'm having to be extremely selective because a lot of people raise their hand and say they want to get on board, but I'm sure you've already experienced this. Not every hand being raised is quality. You don't want yeah. mm -hmm. every person. You want the right person. Mm -hmm. It's like picking somebody to get into a relationship with or get yeah. into a partnership with. Yeah. You know, every person matters and their character matters more mm -hmm. than the actual technical skills they potentially have because those are going to improve over time. Yeah. But the character, that's the thing that you personally can't control. You can't teach them character. You can teach them skills, but you can't teach them how to be a good human. They have to figure that out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, it's um, a lot of people with different personality. I do believe that everyone will fit somehow uh, along the path, along the way. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right person first to make you run on that path. And then along that path, you will be able to pick up more people. Absolutely. Right. Where is your starting point and how do I get this engine running? So it start running um, from exit zero to exit one. And then, you know, and then we'll pick up more people that fits, you know, that fits the seat that fits where I need them to be along this journey. Right. Um, and some people might just be the passenger and that's fine. Right. Um, and, and if that's the case, you know, all I do is I hope I can still offer them value. So, so if someday when they're ready to become more than a passenger, they have the right knowledge and they know that there are other people that went from a passenger to owning their own car, right? That's always riding on an Uber and, or an Uber driver to just owning a fleet of Ubers, you know, and, and that will happen to people in different parts of their journey. You know, I mean, if it happens to me, I mean, it, it took me, it took me, um, close to 20, maybe 15, maybe 15 to 18 years to get my citizenship. Oh, wow. I was naturalized in, I believe it's like two years ago, 2018, 2017. I have been in the U S since 95. So that, wow. that was a long journey for me. And that was a hard journey because we were, we got our documents missing. We got the tech bubble and we got lawyers that took advantage of us, then ran away. We got all sorts of things like personal things that, you know, I haven't even told you about. It's a long journey for us, for me to become a citizen of the United States. So, but it happened. It happened to me. And when I was, when I went there, you know, and that even um, enforced my belief that, you know, we are just people and we, you know, even though we come from different backgrounds, seeing all this immigrants becomes naturalized together in one room. It was like amazing. You know, that was like something special that I didn't even like realize, you know, the power, you know, like even though you, you, you're a citizen, you have to see this. You have to see like, they would call even different people from different uh, nationality. And, you know, and it would just be proud to say, yes, I'm an American now. That was, that's something precious. Like, I think every American needs to see that. Even you, though know, you just gave me goosebumps because I actually did get to experience that about a year or two years ago with my girlfriend. She um, was from Azerbaijan mm. and she came here and she had finally after she came here when she was 18. And after about 20, no, 19 years, she finally was able to get her citizenship. Yeah. And it was such a cool thing. Like you said, being in that room, seeing so many different nationalities mm -hmm. and listening to the judge read out every person's name 
and the yep. country they were from. Exactly. And as an American, I was like, whoa, I didn't even realize there were that many countries, mm-hmm. let alone they were all here in America together looking to become citizens. And yep. they've been on this crazy long journey, you know, because it, it's not a one night thing or a one month thing or even a one year thing. Like you just said, 19 or 18 years, that's wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. like that's a good sign for you know, people listening to recognize you're never sure where somebody is coming from. So you may look at what someone has today and think, man, they've got it so easy. They've got it all Mm -hmm. figured out. Life just works for them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's easy for them to do this. They've got this, this, and this. But you don't know what that person's starting point looked like. Yeah. Because we may be sitting, it's like when I go to college. When I went to college, I was sitting in classrooms and I very quickly learned we don't all have the same starting point because mm-hmm. I know where I started and I know some other kids started here. And I know there's a kid that started way down here who he started off in Africa with absolutely nothing. He hustled his butt off. And so although we're all sitting, all three of us are sitting in the same room, yep. we're not all in the same place in our race right now. Mm-hmm. All in very exactly. drastic, different places. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. that's cool. I'm happy to hear you, hear you say that and hear you share that. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I have about three more questions for you cause I want to still be respectful of your time. Cause sure. I know we can get lost in conversation yeah. very easily. Um, you know, and you started to tap into this a little bit earlier saying when you first started to do your business, you had to, especially with real estate, you had to talk to your wife and let her know, honey, I'm going to be losing out on weekends. Now I'm going to not be seeing you at nights anymore. It's not that I'm not here. I'm just going to be in the other room. Mm-hmm. studying and learning and reading how do you balance family life with all of the extra things that you have going on when you're building a business when you're essentially almost permanently living in this startup culture where yeah. you're constantly having pretty much a new baby you know like mm-hmm. building a business is like having a newborn that yeah. requires all of your attention and if you don't nurture and take care of it it can't nurture and take care of itself mm-hmm. so does your family ever feel like they're competing for your time and attention? And how do you handle that? How do you find balance? It's hard. It's hard. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, times where, you know, we have conflicts. There's a lot of time where I know there's disappointments, you know, to, to me, I think um, at the end of the day, it's, it's about seasons, right? Um, when, when you know your seasons, um, you know, you know what to do in that season, right? For example, when I started, you know, my daughter was, younger so i know i get to spend quality time with them uh but it's not something that they would remember per se you know when they were two years old they would like laugh and we would do like videos and everything and you know now i showed it to them like they don't even remember right (laughs) but we remember right so that's for us as parents right to remember how cute they were before we like handled them as teenagers right (laughs) so but now um, so basically when I started, um, you know, my, my, my children was in, uh, in the younger age, right. In 2012, right. My, you know, um, my, my children was basically toddlers. And so I did to get, spend more time and, and my wife's, uh, were basically, um, you know, taking care of them, um, almost by herself, uh, with me helping them here and there. Right. And then I tried to involve them in activities, um, in my businesses, for example, in the restaurant, right? I would have them help in the weekends. 
they would, you know, they would stay in the basement and I would just go down and, you know, um, they were watching something. I would ask them and I would interact whenever I can. Right. I would make time for them whenever I can before I would, we get busy then I would go out. And, and as they grow up, I would involve them more in the business. Right. For example, my daughters growing up, I mean, my wife has been um, all over, like she's always been supportive of my businesses um and she's always been involved in the restaurant too in the kitchen in the front um whatever she she can help right which is i really appreciate it and my daughter's been helping as a as a busser as you know cleaning up um you know i i have them do everything you know um, um turn over chairs greet the guests and uh, you know um take order take take over like um orders or give new plate everything that i involved in in the restaurant i involve them because i want to be spending time with them right and i want them to learn that you know in order to succeed this is what you have to do right and so um you know and also like one of the thing is um i i we also had a long talk with my wife before i opened the restaurant because my wife at that point was um was staying at home to raise our child right i was the only one that was working and so i i said well if i'm going to open the restaurant are you open to going back full-time to work so that we can get the insurance, the health insurance, right? To, for our child. And so, yeah, she, she, she was fine with that. And that's how I opened the restaurant. So there are mecha mechanism in the background that you have to understand. This is why I love talking to people because like, I know you are so into real estate, but don't forget your family. You know, you, <laughs> at the end of the day, you are responsible for your family first, right? Um, real estate can take, can take on the on the on the second part, right? It's not worth it if you do real estate successful and you lose your family. Oh man. Right. Dude, that is that's gold right there. That is so yeah. true. And people, I'm happy that you're saying that, especially because it's coming from you as someone that has lived through it, that has experience, that's currently living through it. It hopefully it resonates with people and they are listening and they truly hear that that it's not worth it to gain everything but lose the people that you care about in the process. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, there's certain things can be sacrificed, but then there are also lines that you don't cross. So yeah. to hear that you had those conversations and you both agreed upon what the sacrifices would be, mm -hmm. you know, like first off, your wife sounds like an absolute rock star. So she's awesome yep. for supporting you in that way. And you're a ridiculously lucky man to have found mm -hmm. her. And that knowing that it was a conversation that was had and it wasn't just you making a decision for the both of you. You mm -hmm. became a family unit. You became an us, a we, and us and we had to make the decision. So it wasn't yep. just Oscar making a decision Oh yeah, and running off on his own and doing that. Because then when Oscar would have come home, he would have been coming home to an empty house. Yep. You know, so yep. that's, that's awesome, man. I'm happy to hear that, that, and I imagine that, you know, those conversations are still had even today as oh, yeah. new yeah. things start to pop up, you have new conversations and you mm -hmm. check the landscape again, you check yeah. the terrain. Yep. And it becomes, to me, I'm glad it becomes easier because now my, my children are growing and, and now they, they want to know about the business. You know, my Audrey, my, my 12 years old, I mean, she wants to be a real estate investor, you know, she, she wants to go. And, you know, and I mean, I start her day off every time I say, when, when I wake up, you wake up. So if I wake up at 7am, I'm going to wake you up to make me coffee. Nice. That's, that's the first thing. And then you're going to start, um, 
you know, with the, with the Instagram posts and you're going to start with reading my schedules. Right. And then guess what? I'm teaching her the same thing too. Right. I'm teaching her to time block. I'm teaching her to put her schedules and guess what? It goes into our personal thing too. Like, well, don't forget you have to go to the doctor for your physical checkup. And I want you to remind me, you have to go to a dentist. You have to remind me. Right. So I giving her responsibilities. Right. And you know, I'm, I'm giving her a reminder. I have to call the seller. I have to go here. I have to go there. So, um, the, the responsibility increases, um, slowly, so by slowly every week. Right. And now I try to set, I try to tell her, well, why don't I give you a house now? Right. So that you can try to manage it and say, no, I want to talk to the seller and, and get my own house. Wow. Wow. That had to have made you feel awesome. Yeah. So that's, I feel good about that. And I said, yeah, well, yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll get you a, a, an easy seller and, you know, we'll help you talk and, and, you know, we'll make you, we'll make, we'll, we'll get a house for you this year. And I just, knowing you, I feel like you're going to figure out a way to brand that and like, Hey, honey, use the fact that you're an adorable little girl to your advantage, take yeah. over the seller's heart and let them know what you're trying to do. Have, go have her play the story of, I want to take care of mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. sell me this house, please. I only have this many pennies to yeah. put into it. That's the cool all. thing is it'll be a challenge for her because of her age and you know how people look at, you know, young people right nowadays. Right. Um, but there'll be another challenge of, of her own. And, and I love that she's able to say, I want to do it. I want to see how it goes, you know, and I'll be helping throughout the whole way, you know, so as a parent, as an, as, as a businessman, right. So, you know, we're changing our family tree still. And, you know, that's a part of my passion too, is, um, you know, to be able to meet people and change their family trees too. Oscar, oh man, you like, you're getting me more and more excited for the one one twenty one initiative. <laughs> yeah, oh. man, we have great plans and hopefully, you know, we'll talk more and brainstorm more. And like, I mean, it's going to be tough, it's, but it's going to be as exciting. And it's going to change a lot of people mindset, you know, whether they can start ground running off or they'll have a couple of years to think about it, but they'll definitely change their mind, especially in this new, I mean, people say it's a new world. People say it's a new normal, but to me, it's all new opportunities. Absolutely. New opportunities for, for people who don't, who don't think they have this type of opportunities happen if it was not for COVID. So final two questions here. Question one is, mindset you know you just said it and i'm happy that we got to segue here because this is ultimately what it's all about this is why we call this show into the mind mm-hmm. how important is having the proper mindset to you and is it something that you create as a daily ritual or is your mindset something that you set and forget or what's mindset when i say mindset what's that sound like to you what's that mean to you uh, to me, it, that to me that means um, you know two things. There's a, a long term and there's a short term, right? Uh, the long term is you know for me what is what is the vision of what you're doing, right? Um, and there's also a vision long term. There's also a short term uh, mission, right? So that I wake up every day uh, to know like what's my mission daily, and then I would. Uh, go back, circle back every month, every two months, every quarter, what's my vision and where I am in that vision. So that's how I built my mindset, right? So, so if you ask me, um, my, my mindset um, goes down one level into vision and mission. 
and that also um, involved in uh, my faith also, right? That's also like how the, the, the vision and mission that I have always was impacted by my faith, right? And family and, you know, what I want to do with my family, right? So um, where we want to be, um, how do we, do we want to change? You know, how do we want to break the mold, right? So that's the mindset that I have, like going into any, any type of business, right? What do you want to do to change people's life, not just your own, right? What kind of, um, you know, I even thinking about, you know, what kind of legacy I want to leave my children. Like if I were to be like, you know, adopted by aliens like Paysas, right? In next week, what kind of legacy I want to build them, right? And that's, you know, I think about that every day. You know, I think about that every time I wake up. It's like, um, what can I do? What can I do to change this? What can I do to be effective? Now, it's going to have its moment of failures, right? But because you have a strong foundation, you know, and you write down your mindset somewhere, you know, as your goal, then, you know, you, you always eventually is going to win. I absolutely right? love that. I agree with every word you just said. A part of me wants to dive deeper into that for another two hours, but we can do that on another yeah. episode on another podcast one day. Yep. Um, but I do now want to ask you one of my favorite questions, and it is the question I ask every guest that comes on this show, no matter what their background or what they do. Mm-hmm. And the question is, if you woke up tomorrow and you had absolutely no memory of anything, you didn't remember your name, you didn't remember who you were, where you were, you didn't remember any of your friendships or relationships, you lost all of the technical knowledge that you've built for every industry. So pretty much you are a blank slate. You can mm-hmm. still speak the language, but you mm-hmm. are just this blank slate of human being again. However, mm-hmm. you were able to retain one bit of knowledge, one piece of wisdom that you knew to be true for yourself. Like it was in your heart of hearts. You knew this information to be true. You didn't care to question it. You Mm -hmm. didn't even care to ask why you knew it was true. You just trusted that what you had in your mind, that thought that you had in there was absolutely true and you ran with it. What Mm -hmm. would that bit of knowledge be? Mm. The, the, to be honest, the first thing that, that came to my mind is that um, I have a God, that I have a God that is powerful, and I have a God that can, um, I, I can rely faith on, and I can um, fall into his hand. That's it. That's all, that's all I need. Because everything to me is about my faith and my, my belief, right? I, I fail a lot. I, like, every time I fail, I feel like so stupid. Right. Regardless of what, how people see me, regardless of what you think I am, I, you know, every time I fall down, I feel so stupid that I want to quit. You know, but if it's not because of the faith that I have, you know, I wouldn't be able to be where I am right now. You know, and that's something that I treasure. If, if you know, like you said, that, that thought came into my mind, you know, because of health and everything, right? You, you never know, you know, um, just, you know, how I can connect with that because one of my, one of our, me and my wife's, um, Favorite movie is Fifty First Dates. Oh, I love that movie. I don't know if you remember that, right? Yeah, with Adam Sandler. I love that movie. That's that's similar to what you're saying, right? What if you wake up to a person who doesn't know, doesn't remember anything about their what they did the last 24 hours, the last year, the last 10 years, right? It's faith, you know. It's faith and knowing that when you wake up, there's there's a higher power. That's I it. Love- 
I love that answer. I, I truly do. And, you know, as a young guy, I'll let you know. And we started talking about this the other night when we were in the room together mm-hmm. that, um, you know, growing up, faith was something or even like religion and God, those were things I pushed away to the side and I just kind of rebelled against it. Mm-hmm. And as I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize, well, no, the things that have always worked out in my life, they did come from a place of faith. It did come mm-hmm. from God. And whether you call it God or the universe or yep. it's that higher power, whatever, we don't need to argue. I think a lot of people get so caught up in trying to define the name yep. that they miss the entire point. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what name you want to assign to God or to universe or to higher intelligence or whatever, recognizing that it's there to work for you and to work through you yep. and you are a part of it. Mm-hmm. So that's a really cool answer. And I'm happy to hear you say that would be the thing that you retained. Yeah. So, Oscar, seriously, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on today. I know that this conversation was extremely valuable to me and I know that it will be extremely valuable to the people that tune in and listen and that this recording will exist online for people to come across at the right time when they listen to it will have the ability to come back and listen again and each time they're going to find something more valuable so Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing today uh if people wanted to follow you Mm -hmm. where could they find you and where could they learn more about what you're doing for the future and just get to know you more yeah easy uh go to instagram and um i'm at oscar the closer I love that at Oscar the closer on Instagram on Instagram. All right. And I will, when I post this, I will tag that so people could look down in the description and they can find you. So guys, if you enjoyed listening to Oscar today, as much as I do and enjoyed talking to him, go and follow him, see what he has to say. His posts are extremely motivational. The live videos he does with his daughter, where he goes out and he walks property. That in my opinion is free mentorship right there. That's $10,000 worth of mentorship that you're getting for free via Instagram and Facebook live. So check that out and, you know, leave him a comment. Let him know that you saw this. Let him know that you liked this. And ultimately, if you got value out of today, share this with a friend, build Mm -hmm. your network. That is the best way for you to grow, grow the people around you. Because as they go up, they can pull you up. Remember, something I heard is people can only pull you down if they're beneath you. So if Mm -hmm. you're finding a lot of people pulling you down, that means there's a lot of people beneath you. What you Mm -hmm. need to do instead is pull them up. The same way you're pulling yourself up by listening to something like this today, listening to podcasts, share this with a friend. Give them that gift of growth and knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be the easiest way. And even to create new network is to share the information that help you grow. So if you listen to this and you feel like you got values, share that to everyone. That's how you create new network. That's how you give your initial value to people. Forget about talking about books that you like, what you think that you want to do, your dreams. Share the information that is helpful to you. When it helps other people, then that's where they see your value. I love it. Oscar, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, you're my first podcast, so I do appreciate this so much, and I learn a lot. So hopefully, this is to a, a better and greater things that we, you, and me, and some other you know students that we can get involved, and you know we can grow this network. Absolutely. All right. 
Okay, guys, so I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, I ask that if you receive any value at all, I mean anything, if one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below, let people know what that thing was, let us know what it was, we do read all of the comments, and absolutely share this with a friend, that is how we help each other, okay, the best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow, send that out to your friends, help them grow, Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe, make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.